Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I have a lot that I want to share with you today, and because there's a reason why people come to church and they fall asleep during the message. There's a reason why we come to church and we hear, and by the time we get to our cars, we forget what we've heard. And I was talking with Sister Desiree yesterday, and, and I was telling her, I just feel as though that God is calling me to preach some things that that's not real popular. But I feel as though that we have to bring truth into the body of Christ. Lest we keep doing what we've been doing and getting what we've been getting. Which is a church that does not know how to love unconditionally. And do not have the power of God working on the inside of its, of its people. And working outside in the world. And thus we have religious gatherings and social clubs and we are striving for recognition by others on the outside yet the father the god that we serve we're disregarding his word to us so today i'm going to talk about the purpose and the power of kingdom preaching i'm going to actually preach to you about preaching <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Father, help me today. <laughs> help me today. You know, so we're in the series um, entitled The Cross and Kingdom Community, and we gather together as a kingdom community, right? And so uh, today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and we'll be addressing the power and the purpose of kingdom preaching and our attitude towards it. Listen good. Inside and outside of the church. So our attitude towards preaching inside the church and then outside the church. Amen. If somebody looks sleepy, just nudge him real good and just say, you got to listen. You got to gotta listen to what he's about to say. Uh, there are two reminders that Paul gives uh, uh, for the church. And when we started this series, what we said was there's going to be some topics that's going to be considered even controversial. Because as followers of Christ, it's not our responsibility to have the word conform to us. Can somebody say amen? Uh, so many times we want to read and cherry pick what we want in the Bible. But if we really want the full counsel of God, we need to get to a point where we are willing to submit to the full counsel of God. And so in this series, we're going to talk about things like, um, let's see, leadership and sexuality and marriage and divorce, singleness, idolatry, just a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about love. What does love got to do? We're going to talk about all that stuff. Can, can somebody just say, that sounds real good, Pastor. Sounds real good. Now, I will see how good it sounds when I get on your block. <laughs> and, so anyways, you know... Um, Every one of those subjects that I just talked about, Paul comes at it, the word of God comes at it from the lens of the cross of Christ. And so it's important for us to be able to look 
at life through the lens of the cross. So reminder number one. Um, you might want to write something. You might want to have a pen and paper or if you want to take some notes. But you might want to catch some of this. Reminder number one. The message of the cross, and we'll get to the scripture in a minute. The message of the cross is the source of God's power. I'm going to say that again. The message of the cross, it's the source of God's power. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1.17, and we read this last week, for Christ did not send me. Paul is talking about himself. He says, listen, Christ did not send me to baptize anybody but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. Why? So that the cross of Christ is not emptied of his power, meaning if I come to you with wisdom and eloquence and you get caught up with my personality, then the power of the cross will be of none effect in your life because you'll be enamored with my personality. And we got to understand who Paul was because Paul had a double doctorate in the law. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So if anyone knew how to be eloquent of speech, it was Paul. But yet when he came to these churches, he didn't want the people to be caught up with his eloquence. In verse 18, he continues and he says, listen, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So to unbelievers, this message of this cross, it's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, believers, it is the very power of God. Verse 24 of this same chapter, he says, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He also makes the same statement in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. And some of us quote it and and he says this, listen, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is it, the power, the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation, that brings redemption, that brings healing. It brings transformation. To everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. This is important that we know. The gospel can be preached to an audience such as this. And to some people, it's just words that someone is saying. And to other people, it is changing their hearts. There's two different effects. We're going to talk about those in a second. Listen, uh, in, in this Romans 1.16, it could be said this way, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So I am not ashamed of it. Hmm. So to what end is the cross, the resource, and the power of God? He actually tells us in verse 18. This is what, if you were to break it down in layman's terms, this is what Paul is really saying. Uh, the power of the, of the gospel, the power of the cross, is it converts those who receive it, and it literally will condemn those who reject it. What? For those who receive the gospel and repent of their sins and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this gospel has the power to transform their hearts 
and their lives. And it ensures eternity with God. But on the other hand, everybody say on the other hand. <laughs> the same power works in the, in the opposite for people who will reject the gospel and continue to say no to it. It has a hardening effect on their hearts and in their lives. And what it actually does, it ensures their eternal destiny apart from God. Y'all see that? So here's reminder number two. The preaching of the cross is the response of God's people. For those of us, for those of us who have received salvation through preaching and through the preaching of the cross, our response is that we are now compelled to go announce this message of the cross to somebody else. So that's why when we talk about evangelism around here, it's not about a few people feeling as though that they're evangelists, and so they get to go out on the, on the church corner on a Friday night. No, 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 no. The, the message of the cross should compel us if we have received the benefits of salvation in our lives. And that's one of the reasons why you have churches that are literally dead, because there are people that saying the cross has changed them, but they're not at all telling anybody else about what God has done in their lives. And so you sound real churchy on Sunday when you're around your neighbors uh, and one of your, your church friends, but when you're in your other circles of, of uh, influence, you have nothing to say about this gospel that you say have saved your life. Everybody say contradiction. Mm. And so what we, what we want to do is we want to make sure that there is no reason for us to not feel not only confident, but watch this, competent in sharing the good news. Everybody say good news. Okay. Y'all still with me? <clears throat> See, when we realize that Jesus came down from earth, from the Father, that he lived the sinless life that we could not have lived, that he died a death that we should have died, as the son of God, that he took the punishment of our sins, watch this, in our bodies. And then he rose from the dead to restore us back to God. That's good news. That's really, really good news. And when you really come to grips with this news, when you really become persuaded by it, you can't help yourself. You can't help but being compelled to share it. Amen? Had the opportunity to sit, my wife and I, with an incredible young lady this week, and she was just talking about, just, she just wants to tell everybody about what's going on in her life. I won't put her name out here. I won't put her business out there. But, 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 but we can see the transformation that's happening. You know, there, there, is, um, there is a note to the church in Revelation. And, and, and to one of the church, the Laodicean church, the church that felt as though that they had it all figured out and they were living the good life, uh, God said, listen, you had forgotten about your first love. There, there was a love and a passion that you had for God. And, and, and for some reason... That passion, that love has been uh, emitted from your life. And so now watch this. What you're doing is going through a religious activity. And there is no power. There is no passion in how you're living out your life for God. It's interesting that Paul begins this letter by starting to talk about this idea of preaching. Because we're only going to learn about all these other subjects 
through the, through the process of preaching. So I have, I have four challenges for pastors and for the people. Four challenges for pastors and for leaders who preach or teach in a formal setting and for the people who listen to the preaching as well as those that are receiving the preaching. So this morning, this morning, we're going to look at one of those challenges. And then there's going to be six responses that I'm going to outline about that challenge. So challenge number one. Here's the challenge. Let us own the preaching event as a community of faith. Let us not come to church and just expect Uh, The preacher to just preach me a good message that's just going to make me feel good in the moment. Let Let us own this whole encounter together. Now, when we when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have to look at this through the lens of when. This, when this word is inspired or was inspired, there, weren't no, there were not any, um, any uh, chapters and verse, verses, okay? Uh, that came afterwards. So, so as we are looking at this text, we want to be able to see the continuity of the thought of what Paul is saying. Uh, there, were number, there were no number verses. Uh, there were no places that, um, that, that was a matter of separation. So when we look at chapter 1 through chapter 2, we, we have to see them together. So let me begin, and I'll start reading in chapter 1, verse 31, and then I'll continue into chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31 says, Therefore, it, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So if you're going to boast about anything, boast in the Lord. Then, then chapter 2, verses 1 Verse 1 says, and, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony, the gospel about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. But on God's power. So there's a bunch that's going on here. But if we see the word and, the word and is a connector. So it's connecting 31 of chapter 1 to uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Paul says, listen, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech or human wisdom. Because I came to proclaim the testimony about God. There's so many churches that you can come to on a Sunday morning, and it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to even hear the gospel in what's being presented. Oh, Jesus, help. <laughs> okay. And then sometimes as leaders, we can find ourselves feeling as though that because we are learned as we think we are, 
and we have some measure, measure of stature, there can be a measure of pride that can be in us. And Paul makes this statement. He says, I resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. So, and is the connector. He's continuing his thought. And everything we're going to talk about now moving forward and in these verses is connected to chapter 1. So first of all, who is talking to whom here? Paul, the apostle, the preacher, uh, and the former founding apostle of the Corinthians church is actually talking to the congregation. Everybody get this? So this is not a seminar. This is not some sort of private chain. He is talking to the congregation that he, he birthed by the Spirit. He loves these people. He's the apostle, the preacher. He's speaking to the people who are gathering to listen to his preaching and were called to receive his preaching. You know you can come and you can gather and you, chew, you can walk away and don't receive? Hmm. He is teaching the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones, about preaching. Why would he do that? If the cross is the central focus in chapter 1 and it's the resource of God's power for saving people, and if the message about the, the cross should compel us to preach it, and if we're all united as believers around the cross, then preaching, the preaching event should be Something that we're all doing together. Somebody say amen. So we're not coming to just watch the pastor shine. This is a communal event. This is something that we have to own together. Amen? Amen. Here are a few questions that I want to just pose. How do I, how do you own this process? How do you listen to the preaching, and also receive from the preaching at the same time. This is where I wanted to get to today. Here is our first response to the event of preaching in the service, to the preaching event in the service. Here's the first response. Number one, pray for it in advance. Oh, Jesus, help me today. All week long... Ask God to show up in power. Can you imagine what would happen if, as a congregation, that we were, we were united around the cross and we want to see a move of God and we are believing that God would send people that are broken, send people that are discouraged, send people that are hurting, send people that are prideful, and we're believing that when they come here that the preaching of the word would be so anointed that they would be delivered and set free in the house. Can you imagine if a congregation of believers had that type of attitude, what would happen in the service? I would, beg, I would beg, to, beg to say that people would start getting healed in the parking lot. I would beg to say people would, would as when they come in, they'd be running into the, into the, into the house, and they'd, they'd want to know, how can they get to Jesus? <laughs> See, you have more power than you know. That's not your neighbor and say, you got more power than you really know. The problem is you're not using your power. Oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, okay, okay. Son, come help me right here because I'm, I'm about to take off in a second. 
Just pull me out of this jacket. Pull me out of this jacket. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We need to ask God to speak clearly. We need to ask him to speak loudly. We need to ask God to speak relevantly, practically to us. Ask him to anoint those that would preach the gospel and not get caught up with personality um, um, trends. We need to ask him to transform our lives. Here's some good gospel news for you. The preaching of the gospel, the word of God, is not just for your hearing. Uh, it's for your transformation. See, ask God to save lost people in our midst. But listen, listen, God can't save lost people in our midst if there ain't no lost people in the house. Oh, Jesus. If there's no one in the house that knows, that, that, that does not know Jesus, I know that's like a double negative, but y'all get what I'm saying. If we don't have anyone in the house that's an unbeliever, God can't save them. We know, we know this, even in this room, that there are people that are struggling with something. Some may need hope or healing or a miracle, even in the house. Uh, but they're on a journey. Some may be curious, may be contemplating if Jesus is real, yet others may be at the end of their rope and they need salvation and God is drawing them closer. Pray that God would use whatever is preached to save, to heal, to deliver. Pray that God would move by his spirit. Pray in advance for the service. You, you know we can tell when, when we're not praying? Because when we show up, there is a, there was a, there was a, almost a resistance. There is a challenge. And then you can tell when people are praying. Because you walk into the house and it's like, oh my God, God is here already. Nothing has even started. And I can already feel stuff. I can already sense stuff. I can tell that his presence is here. Why? Because the people have been hosting the Holy Ghost and they've laid a foundation. They've charged the atmosphere in prayer. And so when people come in, they can tell that the power of God is in the house. And so God did not call us to be a dead church. Mm. Oh, Lord Jesus. The only thing that we're called to be dead to is to this flesh. Here's a little revelation for us. When we have a dead church, it's because the flesh is too alive in our souls. Oh, my God. When we have a, a dead church, it's because the flesh is living too much on the inside of us. And so we are just simply going through the motions and we want somebody to sing us happy when we should be coming to church with a song, with a psalm, with a testimony, with a revelation of who God is. I'm trying to teach you how you come to church now. Okay, next one, number two, number two. Plan it in your schedule. Oh, Jesus. Don't let it just be an afterthought. Make it a priority. We're talking about I'm coming to hear God speak to me. V.L. Stanley Stanfield said, preaching is actually giving the Bible voice. Listen to that. It's actually giving the Bible voice. Wow. Now think about it. If we believe that it is the word of God, if we believe that it's the inspired word of God, and, and we believe that 
that, 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 that when God is preaching, we're actually getting the, the audible voice of God being communicated to us. How much more important should it be for us to prioritize it in our lives? Hmm. We should plan for when the word of God is being verbalized and vocalized in our faith community. We should see it as an opportunity. Watch this, church. It's an opportunity for me to be transformed to be more like Jesus. Number three, prepare for it in your heart. This is how we come to church. We want to prepare for it in our hearts. Think about it. Anticipate it for your spiritual edification and growth. Ask God to prepare you for it. You may need to go to bed, listen, a little bit early on Saturday. So that you will be awake and alert in the service in order to hear the preaching of the word. There's so many people that when they come to church, they're engaged in the praise and worship. And they're having a great time in praise and worship. And as soon as the pastor get up, they go. And then, and then they want to have the audacity to say, I need to rebuke the devil. Because every time, every time the word come, I feel sleepy. You need to kill that flesh. You need to kill that flesh. That's what you need to do. Uh, Jesus. True preaching should interact with our hearts and with our minds and apply to us and be applied to our lives so that we can become more like Christ. You, we should all expect to hear from God through the preaching of the cross. All of us, when we come to the church house, we should all expect for God to be telling us something about our, about our situation, about our lives. If we just come in and we're just singing some songs and we just heard, heard some preaching and we, don't, we didn't get a word from God, I would beg to say that we did not engage the process. So, um, what does the night or the day before church looks like for you? How about the hours before church? Are you busy and stressed out on Saturdays? Pastor, you don't understand. Saturday is my, is my errand day. I got all this stuff to do. I'm spending six hours at the mall. You know, I got to get caught up with all my friends. I got all these other things to do, right? Or do you intentionally take time to quiet your spirit before God with the expectation that God will speak to you through the preaching of the word. Are you spending time with everybody else except God on a Saturday? I'm trying to teach you how you come to church and you get everything that God designed for you to get versus come to church and just droning through the process and don't get nothing. Okay. If we're going to truly hear from God's word through his preaching, then we have to, we have to make it a priority and, and set it as something that we are looking forward to, believing that it will transform our lives. Number four, participate in it every week. 
How about that? We participate in the preaching every week. How do you do that, Pastor? When it comes time to preaching, engage it. Embrace it. Don't check out. Resist the temptation of nodding off, falling off to sleep during the message. Watch this. Open your Bible. Use your phone or your tablets only to look along with the message or to take notes. Resist the temptation to be on Facebook and Snapchat and Oh, Jesus, help us in this sanctified church. Now, if, if you're so dialed into social media, maybe, you know, you, you, can be, you can be tweeting about something you're hearing that's hitting your spirit right. Is this practical? Okay, okay. Oh, my Jesus. The enemy will use those opportunities, those activities to steal the word from you. All of a sudden, you get real antsy, and your finger just all over. And somebody nudges you and says, did you hear what he just said? said oh, no. I, what did he say? You, you got to be paying attention. Okay? After we have prepared our hearts, we should come to the preaching as eager participants. Kingdom preaching involves hearing and interacting with the truth of God um, and knowing that it is God speaking to us himself. Oh, Jesus. We should bring pen and paper. We talked about that and a notepad. We should not come as a spectator. But rather we should come as a participator. Number five, number five. Process it over and over. Process it over and over. And watch this. Process it when it's over. Process it after the preaching has stopped. How am I going to do that if I don't have any notes? How am I going to do that if I don't go back and listen to what was taught? Revisit the text the coming year, the coming week. Uh, review the notes that you wrote down. Um, our interaction with the, with the preaching does not end when... We close our Bibles on Sunday and put away our notes. We should go back. We should talk about it. Watch this. Um, you should talk about it with your spouse, with your children, maybe a family member, maybe a friend. Also, with that, consider meeting with a few members of the church to continue to process the truth of God together. Everybody say small group. So, so one of the things that we're doing a little bit differently, everything that we're teaching on Sunday, our small group in Brooklyn Park that Nicole and Norman um, oversees, they actually have notes that they are going over and reinforcing what they're being taught on Sunday. How many think that would be beneficial to you? <laughs> small group. Okay. How about try this? Uh, make it a point to tell an unbeliever about what you learned in church on Sunday. And use that to prompt or even start a spiritual conversation. If you notice, I didn't say a Christian conversation. Because most people, you know, they, they, they really don't want to talk a whole lot about Christianity because of all this confusion and, and hypocrisy. But most people think they're spiritual. 
And the thing about having, I'm not going to get ahead of the notes with regards to evangelism, but the thing about being effective in talking to people is being effective in listening to people. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If, if someone asks you a question and you go all around the bush and you never answer the question, believe me, you have just disqualified yourself in their mind to hear what you have to say. Are you all tracking with me? Okay, you know, all the young people like nodding their heads. Because it's not about how, how eloquent you think you sound. It's about do you, can you answer my question? And if you don't know the word of God, you'll be, you'll be challenged to answer their question. And what you will do is stick on your talking points of what you think they should know. Okay, let me get out of that. Jesus. Okay, last one. Practice it in your life. Practice it in your life. And we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that um, in a couple of weeks. But when the gospel is preached, it's going to have an impact. I'm going to say that again. When the gospel is preached, it's going to have an impact. You can't just remain neutral or passive. And here's the thing that people believe. They think that they can just remain neutral or passive. They can just hear it and, you know, it's no big deal. And this is why. Because if you are not being renewed in your mind and transformed in your heart by the word, then you're being renewed in your mind and hardened in your heart by the world. Everybody track, get that? The preaching of the gospel demands a response. So don't just let it fall by the wayside. Don't just hear it as academic conjecture or go through an academic exercise. You need to give feet to the sermon. Give feet to the message that you hear in the church. Allow that message to walk up and down in every area of your life. Allow it to open every door in your heart. You must make room for the word of God to work in you and through you. You must put it into practice. The preaching of the word does not stop on Sunday. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So let's, let's own this event together, knowing that it doesn't end on Sunday. Amen. <laughs>